there's something about baptism that just puts a smile on our faces. Even the unhappy Christian that sucks lemon all day is going to be happy and smile at these baptisms. Number two, it's a good day. I'm, I'm happy to announce uh, we took our special offering, uh, the chest of blessing last week, humanly thinking, well, you know, it's not going to be as good as last year. Gas prices are up and crowds are down still a little bit from COVID. But our offering was over $50,000. That's incredible. That, that is so encouraging to me as a pastor that, number one, that this, that a crowd like this would give that much money. I mean, it, it's telling you that people love their church. They love God. And it also tells us that God's behind us. When God blesses you like that, and there's nothing better to know that God is behind uh, your ministry. And then thirdly, it's a great day because 40 years ago, today, April 3rd, 40 years ago, I got married to my wife, Darla, over there. It was her birthday. What a present I've been for 40 years. Uh, <laughs> The best part about that day, the funnest part about that day was I had a Superman shirt under my tux. And I took my tux off and threw her and her wedding dress over my shoulder before we opened presents. I freaked her poor grandmother out. But it was fun. It was fun. And uh, I, in all honesty, I, I will say this. You all get to see the good side of me. You get to hear me preach and see the good side. She sees the bad side. She, she deserves an award, trust me, for putting up with me because I got issues. But God is good. He loves us with issues, doesn't he? And he, he works on us, and we'll see that today in our text we're going to look at. So I want to talk to you. We're studying the book of 2 Corinthians, going verse by verse. We're starting chapter 7. Um, I titled it Good Grief. Now, that, that's usually a frustrating thing that people say. Charlie Brown made that famous, right? But Paul really is going to talk about how there's good grief. There's good sorrow that leads to repentance, and we'll see that in this text. Really, this chapter, there's not a lot of deep theology in here. There's not a lot of doctrines we need to discern. Paul's just really speaking to the Corinthians from his heart again. And so I really, I, I just think we'll read it and we'll, we'll see what we can get out of it. Obviously, Paul wrote a letter to them from his heart, but it's inspired by the Spirit of God. So we know God has something in here to say to us. So let's start off at verse 1. And Paul says this, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So, because of the promises of God, because of God's love for us, because of all that God has done for us, 
He says, let us cleanse ourselves of our body and spirit. Sins we commit with the body, sins we commit in our minds, in our hearts. Let's turn from this and let's go in the direction of holiness because of the fear of God. We've talked about this. We talked about it on Wednesday night. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's, it's not that we, we're so afraid of God that we want to behave. The point is we're aware of God. We respect God. And because of all that God has done for us, we have this fear that, that we want to go in the direction of holiness. And I'm not talking about sinlessness because we will always sin until we get the new glorified body in heaven. But I am talking about sinning less, right? As we grow toward Christ, we're, the scripture says we're being conformed to the image of Christ. Meaning, as we grow in our Christian lives, as we read the, the word of God and get it into our mind and get it into our heart, and we walk with the Lord we don't even realize it, but we become more like Jesus in our attitude and in our actions. So, but if you're wondering what promises were, he's talking about what he just said in chapter 6, so let's look at it. He says, therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Here's the promises. Then I will welcome you. I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So Paul says in light of that, that blessed promise that God welcomes us with his grace, that he desires to be a father to us, we're his children. This should be our motivation to want to deal with sin in our life and turn towards God. It's kind of sad. I mean, this chapter makes it clear that God is calling us to turn away from sin. But, but our world out there wants to make Christianity, you come as you are, you, do, you just keep doing whatever you want to do, you live any old lifestyle you want to live, and God loves you. But that totally goes against what Scripture teaches. Yes, we all sin. Yes, the church, I always say the church isn't a hotel for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. But a hospital is for what? Healing. A hospital it helps you get better. So that's the point. We come here to get better. Get better for the glory of God. And it's going to start with our mind. It's going to start with our heart. Uh, we can't change ourselves. Only God can change us. Only God can give us salvation. Only God can help us turn from sin. Only God can do it. Here, here's, what, here's all we can do. We can cooperate with God. Cooperate. Cooperate with his work in your life. Cooperate with what he's speaking to you about today cooperate with him and let's do this because 
Our God is worthy of it. Then he says in verses 2 through 4, he says, make, make room in your hearts for us. For we have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken, we have taken advantage of no one. I think it's sad that Paul has to keep defending himself. He says, I love you guys. Make room in your hearts for me. And he's trying to say, you, you've had to see our integrity. You had to see that we're just trying to do what God has called us to do. Verse 3, I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts. So uh, Paul's saying, I'm not trying to be harsh with you. I'm not trying to, to condemn you. I'm trying to help you. And he says, I like this phrase, he says, to die together and to live together. Shouldn't it be, shouldn't it be we live together and then we die together? No, we come here, it's a spiritual sentence. We come here and we die together. We die to ourselves. We die to our sin. And oh boy, are we going to live together forever. So, and he says, I am acting with great boldness towards you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort. In our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. He's saying, I've, I've, I'm bold with you because I care about you. Sometimes as a pastor, i got to be bold with you, but it's because I care about you. And he's proud of them, like you're proud of your children or your grandchildren when they, when they do what's right. And he's and Paul is seeing that their change, and we'll see that in a moment. And so the relationship with them, the love he had for the church, even in all his affliction, he said, I'm overflowing with joy because what God is doing in your life. Verses 5 through 9, he says, For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn. Fighting without and fear within. Wow. It just goes to show you, Christianity is not, you know, everything's happy. Everything's peachy all the time. You don't have no problem. I mean, here's, here's probably the greatest Christian ever. He's like, I got no rest. Everywhere I turn, people are negative. They're out to get me. And, but we just, you know, we keep fighting the good fight because we love God within. Verse 6. But God who comforts the downcast. I like that sentence. If you're downcast today, if you're down, something has got you down, you just feel spiritually weak, God wants to comfort you. God wants to comfort you today. And, and maybe he'll use this sermon. Maybe he'll use somebody out there to encourage you, to lift you up. But God comforts the downcast. He says he comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, and your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that 
letter grieved you, though only for a little while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief. There's that good grief. So that you suffered no loss through us. So he's personally talking to the Corinthians. Um, and he's talking about Titus. Paul sent Titus to check on the Corinthians. Uh, Titus was an early church leader. We know Paul wrote a letter to Titus in the New Testament. And he's just saying, Paul's talking about a letter that he wrote. And I mean, we went through 1 Corinthians. Paul really let the Corinthians have it in that letter. But there's another letter that we don't know about. It's called the severe letter. And we think Paul really, really rebuked the Corinthians for them listening to false teaching and going astray. And so what Paul's just saying there, he's, he's like, I was grieved in my spirit that I had to write that to you. And, and I didn't know how you were going to take it. But he's trying to say, I did this for your good. And now he's seeing, now that Titus shows up and sees, Titus is able to go and let Paul know that, hey, man, they've changed. You should see this church, how it's growing. And they've got all their sin out of the church. They've confronted the false teachers. They're not listening to the negativity of the others that are attacking Paul. And so Paul's just writing them, rejoicing in all this. And one, what stands out to me in that paragraph is we don't know a lot about Titus, but Paul made it clear that the Corinthians were encouraged by Titus's visit. Paul was encouraged by his companion, Titus, a servant of the Lord. And I want to say to, I want to, say to you this morning, if you want to be a good church member, be a Titus. Be an encourager. I think we're one or the other. I think we're either an encourager or we're a discourager, right? And, and there's so many things people want to focus on. They don't focus on the good, you know. They don't focus on the baptisms. They don't focus on the offering God blesses. They don't focus on people getting saved and the lives being touched and people growing in incredible ways. But it's always something that, you know, it's sad to me, but it's part of it. Paul dealt with it. We're going to deal with it. But I plead with you to be a Titus, be an encourager. Find somebody downcast today and lift them up. Give them a hug. We're commanded, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. The church is supposed to be a place that people come and they find encouragement, not discouragement. I want you to be encouraged today. And I want you, and I know God, God wants you to become an encourager. So, so we're talking about turning away from sin, right? And we always think turning away from sin is, you know, eating right, uh, drinking right, uh, you know, not watching this show or that. We, 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 uh, how, about, how about turning away from 
discouraging people all the time. Turn away from that and be an encourager. So important in the church. And then he says, and here's my title. I'm going to talk about uh, 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Now, what does he mean by that? What is godly grief? There's your good grief. Well, when Paul wrote this letter of rebuke, they were grieved. They were grieved by their sin. They were grieved that they hurt the apostle Paul. And so that made them turn away from their sins. Um, I think one of the best illustrations in Scripture would be you look at Judas and then you look at Peter. Judas, when he betrayed Jesus, he had, he had worldly grief. He had worldly remorse. He was sorry that he got caught. He, he was sorry, you know what he was sorry? He was sorry that Jesus wasn't who he thought he was. He thought Jesus was coming to conquer Rome. And he was going to be his right-hand man and get power and money out of it. And that's why he was upset. Peter had godly grief. When he denied the Lord, he was broken, broken that he would do this to his Savior, his Lord, his King. And I think in our life, when that's what we're missing, if, if you're trying to overcome something that you know God's been dealing, been dealing you with, you know what you need? You need some godly grief. It needs to bother you. You, you, need, to, you need to cry maybe over your sin. So you'll say, God, help me to turn from it. That's what he's talking about. And that word repentance, if you're new at this, it just means you make a U-turn. You know, you're, you're, living, you're going the wrong direction. So you repent with God's help. Now you go in another direction. Michael said it last week. Uh, it's not perfection, it's direction. We all sin, but we're, we're going in the direction toward Jesus Christ. We love the word of God. It breaks our heart when we sin against God, right? That's what's going to change us. That's what brings a change. And that's what brought a change to the Corinthian church. They were broken over their sin. They were broken the way they were acting. They were broken that they took the side of false teachers over the apostle Paul who has risked his life for their salvation. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What does he mean by that? He doesn't just mean everybody that cries, God's going to comfort them. Because there's a worldly tears. We, we, there, there are so many people that cry, cry because they got caught. They, they cry because they didn't get what they wanted. But Jesus is talking about mourning over your sin because when you have that godly grief and you mourn over your sin, God's going to comfort you. He's going to forgive you. You're going to feel his grace. You're going to feel his peace. You're going to feel his mercy. 
So we all need to have godly grief because the end result, what? Is comfort from God. Comfort from God. Let's read on. Verses 11 through 12. He says, For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. What he's saying is this godly grief, man, it gave you an eagerness to change things. It gave you a righteous anger for your own sin. And you had zeal about doing what is right. At every point, you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. And again, Paul says, everything I'm writing to you, so we can, we can be one together for the gospel. That our church can be one and we can love one another. And Paul, Paul, Paul sees the change in them, how they're getting behind Paul and Titus and their church leaders. And, and they want to do what's right. This should, be, this should be in all of our hearts. And then the final verses say, Chapter 7, therefore we are comforted. And besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by all. For whatever boast I made to him about you, I was put, not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you is true, so that also our boasting before Titus has proved true. And his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling, I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. Paul's just talking about Titus and the encouragement he brought and how much Titus loved them. Paul, Paul's telling them that he believes in them. He has confidence in them. He's seen the change in them. And this is, what we all, this is what we need in our church. We need this companionship. We need encouragement. This, this, this world's crazy. Life is hard. We, how wow, do we need each other? I was so encouraged. She might not know, but I was so encouraged this week by uh, Cheryl Fatteruso. She's in our home group. And she was just sharing her heart, just sharing you know, looking back over the years at all, all that God did in her life and in Mike's life, man, we could go back and, and Mike had all these issues, and, but, we, but it was church, but he kept coming, and he grew through it, and we worked through it, and he became a changed man, and then, wouldn't you know it, when he's, when he's, finally, he's finally got things right, he gets cancer. Cheryl said it really encouraged her when I talked about how cancer is a calling. Because sometimes we, we see the trials or sickness as a curse. What did we do wrong? But really, God calls us through this at times. And what a testimony Mike was. And what a sermon he preached. And so I'm just, I'm encouraged by that. That I see the work of God in the church. 
I see God helping people overcome their problems, their weaknesses, their sins. And I see them grow. And man, I, Cheryl, just has, she's grown so much in this. And it just was so encouraging to me. And all of us, we all, we all need to experience this together. That's why we try to get you in a home group. Because she shared that in my home group. And that's where I got the encouragement. And we need, we need to get around other Christians so they can encourage us and help us with our weaknesses and pray for one another. This will strengthen our church and it will strengthen you as a Christian. So we need all of these things. So we got to do some baptisms, but I, I want to close. I want to close with two very important verses this morning. Um, we're talking about, listen, we're talking about uh, turn, repenting, talking about doing it for the fear of God, getting all the sin out of our life, whether it's with our body, our mind, our soul. And, you know, last week, I love Michael's message last week, and I need to be preached to sometimes, and I was sitting right down there, and these verses he shared just came up to me, and they screamed at me, you know. And so Paul says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, it's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If, if you are a Christian, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, Paul is saying right there, that should be flowing out of your life, right there. That's what we need to turn to, turn away from our selfishness. One of the worst sins in the church today, you know what it is? It's self-righteousness, self-righteousness where people just think they know more than everybody else. Um, and there's no, and, and I, I just want to say, you know, the next time you want to knock on the door of some Christian and straighten them out and give them your theology because you know everything, take that verse with you, will you? And, 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 you know, and everything you do, are, are, is that flowing out of you? And yeah, there's, there's times to confront things. There's time to confront false teachers. But, but this never stops flowing out of us. And I want you to know, notice it says singular, the fruit of the Spirit. Some of you think, well, I got joy in my life, but I ain't got no patience. It all goes together. If, if, if you're missing one of those, something's wrong with your Christianity. This is the direction we need to go. Get that on index card. Examine everything you do and why you do it. And the final verses, so important, go with that. Let's read the love verses. The famous love verses. They read at weddings, and then as soon as they get married, they don't do these verses anymore. Uh, <laughs> but... You know, right before Paul says that, man, he says, if I had all knowledge, you know, if I had faith that could move mountains, if I surrender my body to the flames, if I give all I possess to the poor, he says, I am nothing without love. 
And a lot of times, there's just Christians. They, yeah, they want that attention. They want, yeah, I'm making these sacrifices. And I'm do, And Paul says, yeah, but if you don't have love, if your motivation is not love, it's not coming from the Holy Spirit. So we need to, we need to get these verses on an index card too. Let's look at it. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Love is constantly patient with people. Love is constantly kind. It doesn't brag. It doesn't, it doesn't have pride that thinks you know more than everybody else. And you're going to let them have a piece of your mind. And some of you, you ain't got no, you ain't got no mind left. So you don't, don't give anybody a piece of your mind. You need all the minds you got. <laughs> it is not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's sad when we call ourselves Christians, but then we're upset because we don't get our way. I mean, church, these Let's read the verses. Let's live the verses. It's not irritable. Love's not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Paul says if we don't have these things on the list, our Christianity is a big fat zero. So we need to look at these verses. I think we need to memorize these verses. I think we need to put them on our refrigerator. I think we need to put them on our dashboard. I think we need to take them wherever we go with us. And we're constantly asking the Lord, God, help me. Holy Spirit, fill me. That's, that's the whole thing of coming out and being separate. Being separate is we have real love and we have the Holy Spirit and that fruit is pouring out of our lives. That's what Paul's talking about. May we obey God's word. Pray with me. I'll ask those that are going to get baptized to please come, come back here on stage. And we will walk you over there. So this morning, let's have a little prayer time while our people getting ready to get baptized come. You know, confess your sin. And, you know, the idea of confession in the world is you go to, you go to a confession booth. You go to a confession booth on Friday. You tell some religious guy what you did wrong. And then on Saturday, you go out and do the same things. I don't think that's the way it works. That's what Paul means by good grief, godly sorrow. That we come here today and confess our sin to the Lord, and we're really sorry about it to where we're going to make changes. We're going to turn from it. And of course, we can't do this on our own. You have to ask God's help. 
There's no sermon. There's no sermon that I've ever preached that a human being could walk out and go, wow, I'm going to do that. No, you can't. God has to reach into your heart. He's got to get a hold of your heart. Yeah, you cooperate, but God is going to change you. God is going to help you. And let's rejoice today. Let's, let's leave here with joy knowing, <laughs> like the Corinthian church, they were such a mess, but they were God's mess. And sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we make a mess of things. But we're God's mess. And he's never going to give up on us. And he's always going to keep working on us. We just got to keep coming. Cheryl said that about Mike. Mike just kept coming, kept coming. And God did a work on him. God loved him. And he's with God now. And I'm telling you, folks, time is running out on planet Earth. We need to get, we need to get right with God. Not because we're afraid, because Jesus took the wrath for us. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We don't have to be afraid. When Jesus talked about all the bad things that are going to happen in the, in the end that's happening on our news right now, he said, rejoice. Don't be uptight about it. Don't be like Chicken Little, the sky's falling. Rejoice, because your redemption draws near. We're going to be in heaven soon, in a new heaven and a new earth, where people are tame and animals are tame. It's going to be awesome. Father God, thank you for today. God, thank you for this letter Paul wrote to the Corinthian people, just sharing his heart. God, it gives us so much application for our church. God, we're sorry. We're truly sorry, God, that we get selfish. We're truly sorry, Lord, that we, we miss the big picture at times. We want things done our way. And we're not, we're not patient with people. We're not loving. We're not kind. Lord, help us. Help us to see these scriptures, Lord, to see what true Christianity looks like. May we turn away from our worldliness, our flesh, our selfishness, our self-righteousness. And just be in love with your grace and mercy and be thankful and sing with thankful hearts today. But then, Lord, we'll go and show grace and mercy to others. Help our church to be known for grace and mercy and being centered on you, our dear Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship, and then we'll share in these baptisms.